I have to be aware to know that if we're doing these things to drive more butts and seats, that there are impacts of that beyond my world. So I have to have a visibility to that. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another issue of Predicting the Turn. Today, I'm joined by actually two of my favorite people in the world of business. They are up from, respectively, Atlanta, Georgia, and the great city of Louisville, Kentucky. Joining me today is Jim Taylor, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Arby's, and Jason Lohr, who is the Vice President of Media for Inspire Brands, which is the parent company of Arby's. So welcome, Jim and Jason. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Making me and blush us. with your kind words over here. <laughs> I, I, the least I could do. So we're live today actually at the Brandemonium Conference here in Cincinnati, where we're going to have these guys taking the stage later on today to talk about the remarkable story that really is Arby's and everything that's gone on with that business. So I'm lucky enough to have them to talk about the world of innovation, though. So what I want to do is start off with Inspire Brands. Uh, that's a name that a lot of people might not be familiar with. But it's actually a portfolio that includes Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Rusty Taco, and now a recent deal that had you acquire Sonic. Combined, that means you have 8,000 locations and combined sales of $12 billion. So what's the history that led to Inspire and what you guys are working on today? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really exciting. You know, I mean, our, our CEO, Paul Brown, has a vision for us to be uh, the largest restaurant company in the U.S. and to be... Uh, a company that continues to be driven by the things that drove Arby's success in terms of being innovation driven and always focused on what we can do to differentiate our brands versus competition and make Inspire an employer of choice. You know, from the team members that interact with our guests every day to the folks that we have supporting all of those people back at headquarters and creating a really special culture that can drive um, that engine of innovation. So it's really exciting to be a part of. You know, I was part fortunate to be a part of Procter & Gamble. And, you know, of course, huge portfolio, biggest portfolio of consumer brands and saw firsthand the power that that scale can bring to driving growth. And, um, you know, we're expecting big things and more things to come from Inspire as we continue to advance toward that vision. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting when you look at Paul Brown, our CEO's background with uh, Hilton Hotels and, and very familiar with the whole House of Brands environment and knowing that you can build some great efficiencies and as a result, grow the brands both individually, but then as a whole, get an even a larger impact. And I've, you know, similar to Jim, when it comes to looking at the backgrounds of those House of Brands, I spent a lot of time at Brown Foreman and uh, looking at that global footprint and all these brands that are trying to do similar things, but just slightly different, but yet still trying to gain from the overall good. The thing that has struck me, because I've only been with Inspire for about six months now, there's a, when it looks, when you look at the, at the culture and the principles that Paul and the team have, we've, we've laid out, there's this notion of Mavericks, which is probably my favorite part of, as we look to the culture today and where it's going. And it's the idea of doing things that others haven't and trying to forge ahead in, in areas that people haven't been successful or maybe haven't done it the same way. And, and that part has got a lot of interest for, especially for Gemini's when we look at what innovation means for the company, I just love having that as a key tenant that we can always speak to. That's awesome. Well, so speaking of that word innovation, Jim, you joined Arby's in 2014 to lead 
product development and innovation. Yeah. And you once told me that your job at the time was to make sure the menu lived up to the we have the meats kind of slogan that was coming out. That's right. So how did a classic CPG guy who I met when you were selling Old Spice deodorant yeah. <laughs> end up in charge of the men menu development for a quick service restaurant? <laughs> Yeah, well, I tell you what, it, it all kind of started. Um, I love my time at P&G, but, you know, my last assignment was uh, on Metamucil. And I've always been passionate about food. And it just struck me at some point that it would be more fun to create problems than to solve problems in the world of food. So I jumped over to um, Darden Restaurants and um, really learned the business. I mean, it's a retail business. It's a fast-paced business. And it's one that's all based on guest experience. Um, which excited me as a marketer, you know, to get to touch, you know, not just the advertising and the media, but how we brought the brand to life in the restaurants. And, you know, I happened to work there four years and then get a call from Rob Lynch, who I knew from back in P&G days, who was the CMO at the time. And I, I was blown away when I came to visit Arby's and saw firsthand the culture that they were building and how they were building a company based on continuous improvement and innovation, which is exactly what, what turns me on. And I love food. So, you know, I came there with a mission, you know, to say, wow, how do we bring food experiences to the world of fast food, which is dominated by hamburgers and chicken, and bring these interesting things that just surprise people that we even offer, and even more so when they taste them, they're like, how on earth do you do a 12-hour smoked brisket, 13-hour smoked brisket, uh, in about two or three minutes through a drive-through that tastes every bit as good uh, as any, you know, barbecue joint. And so that's what drew me to it. And it's just been a, a great ride, you know, to work with people that really take what we do really seriously, but not, a, not ourselves too seriously, we like to say, and have a lot of fun along the way. Love that. So talking about taking yourself not too seriously. Yeah. So you know, We Have the Meats has been one of the most famous kind of classic campaigns of the last few years. But you guys gone a lot further than beyond that core campaign. Yeah. Generating all kinds of buzz uh, by being Mavericks, as Jason kind of yeah. indicated. You know, you grabbed headlines originally with telling Pharrell that you want his hat back. <laughs> that uh, was you a know, great moment. You <laughs> ran a brutally honest apology ad for Pepsi for forgetting to, <laughs> frankly, do enough marketing with them that you signed hey. up in the contract. Just keeping it real. Exactly. And then recently you landed in the Guinness Book World Records for the world's largest ad and the world's smallest ad. Yeah. What has driven you to kind of think about those worlds of kind of classic media campaigns mixed with buzz yeah. to really get, you know, you know, kind of the Arby's mojo back? You bet. Well, it's, it's a core part of our strategy. You know, we can't compete on spending, you know, dollar for dollar with the bigger guys. But what we think we can compete on is having a really differentiated, interesting tone of voice that um, can cut through the clutter and entertain people. You know, I mean, there's certainly a lot of effort we devote to, um, you know, getting guests uh, in seats, you know, and in cars through the drive-through. But we also put a, 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 about an equal amount of effort into figuring out how we can engage people and, uh, you know, just show a human side of the brand, show that we understand what their passions are and our fellow fans along with them, and also embracing uh, embrace imperfections. People talk about a lot about authenticity, and I, I don't think there's anything that's more authentic than actually owning some of your imperfections or shortcomings. 
and being willing to have the confidence to be comfortable in your, in, enough in your own skin to say, hey, you know, this is who we are, and hey, we, we messed up here. We know, for example, like we did the John Stewart thing too, where he made fun of us for years, and we just played along with it instead of push back, and that led us to an opportunity where on um, the final week of his, his airing, we actually bought a commercial that got a lot of publicity to thank John for making fun of us for all those years as um, someone that we'd miss, even though we're not sure why. So I think just, you know, that spirit of, again, taking what we do seriously, but not, not ourselves too seriously, has allowed us to do brand activations that help us fight above our weight. And um, it's been, it's one of the parts of the job that I just enjoy the most is to figure out how we can not really create conversation, but figure out what are the conversations that we think we can plug into and have a point of view on and that people will um, will engage with. And that knowledge itself is huge because it's when we know who we are, it makes the filter for what we feel this works or this doesn't so much easier to be able to manage to because yeah. we know who we stand for. We know enough about ourselves and and what, what that conversation is in culture to know this would work and this won't. And frankly, that's you know, the word authenticity is thrown out a lot, but I think a lot of that goes back to knowing yourself really well as a brand, and it's hard to do, and it's taken a lot of time to get there, and it's nice to be in that position, and we're starting to do the same with the other brands in the mix, especially with Buffalo Wild Wings right now. Love it. So switching gears a little bit, you know, predicting the turn is all about how industries are changing and both the opportunities and the threats that that creates. You know, when you look at this world of restaurants and food, what opportunities and threats are you seeing because of the rise of technology and how's it changed your day-to-day -day job? You know, I think that for me, you know, one of the things I'm most excited about is, you know, we have a saying in the restaurant industry that the experience of the guest can never exceed the experience of the employee. And I'm excited about the power that technology has to uh, make the job of our employees easier, you know, whether it be scheduling or the job of our general managers, who frankly is the most important job in our industry making their jobs easier to forecast their business, to prepare, to delight each and every guest that come through, to, to give them dashboards that can help them understand real time and over time how they're performing on key performance metrics. I think that, um, you know, and, and new ways to train our frontline employees so that they understand why we're doing things and how to do them correctly. I'm really excited about technology's ability to do that and move from what, frankly, you know, even five years ago was a very much a you know, mail a bunch of paper out to people uh, type mindset. And now we're moving on to, you know, more ways to connect with people the way they do, you know, in social media and, and, and chatting and texting and all that. So um, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really excited about. You know, and, and, and the, thing, the, the thing that we're running into a lot today is where technology is leading before there's a solution of order, that's an order of a magnet, order of magnitude to be able to actually take advantage of. And you know, I think that we're being a little bit more deliberate because it's there's a business case around things and there's also you're trying to look ahead to see where consumer where the consumer's going. And obviously with things like Uber Eats and Grubhub and this delivery service and online ordering, it's making sure that the context fits because when you think about it, Arby's there are thirty five hundred apps around the US because I can go in, I can go to the drive thru, I get my brisket, I can get my Coke. And then I can go out and it's I'm there in a very short amount of time. So the convenience factor there is huge. And, uh, you know, I just was in a, another um, QSR store recently and saw the and did one of the kiosks. And 
I go up to the kiosk and it's a fairly busy time. By the time I get through the kiosk ordering my hamburger with ketchup only and whatever, there's four people that have gone through the line next to me. So it's, I, I think that the, the disruption is happening, but it's an order of magnitude piece that we're, that we're looking out for. And for us, it's also the, just the business model, the, the, the optics on it are there, but the metrics on it aren't exactly there. So we're trying to ha- strike a balance with that. And, and you know, the, the knowledge and understanding of that first party consumer data is where technology is helping us in a big way. And that's what, for, for my world in particular, where we're aggregating all these media touch points across the brands, there is great wealth of information to find from that. So mm-hmm. that's where technology is helping us to identify spaces to potentially play in, but it's gonna take a little bit of time for some of these to come to life. So I want to double click on that. You know, one of you leads media, one of you leads mm-hmm. marketing. Mm-hmm. Yet the first thing you both talked about were customer service things, employee, yeah. HR, yeah. engagement, store operations. How is the role of a marketer changing today? Yeah. That is broadened that it's not just buying fancy 30 second yeah, ads anymore. 100%. So how do you think about that and what your role in the two leadership seats you out have? Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. Sitting at the center, because it's the POVs of the Inspire, where we're looking at it from a holistic point of view as to what is the best the best individual brands are doing, and then working with Jim and the Arby's crew, it's, hey, we have got to move this number up and this trans here and all that. So it's the macro and micro that are key, but there are so many points that go into that because if from a media standpoint, I'm driving a ton of traffic in store, the impacts of that on labor, on on actual product, and all the touch points that go into the actual supply chain and then actually when the consumer comes in the door there's impacts to that so i have to be aware to know that if we're doing these things to drive more butts and seats that there are impacts of that beyond my world so i have to have a visibility to that so i feel very fortunate that inspire has embraced what media is because it is our largest spend i mean when you combine our three brands at the top there's a lot of lot of outlay and cost there and investment so we have to have that understanding and that visibility and that's where i feel like as we as we continue to grow we're going to lean into that heavier and and understand that there's kind of that t-shaped individual and, and mar- from a marketing standpoint to where you have to know all the areas very well and you might go deep into one category but you've got to really know the whole space overall yeah and I would say that I've never seen you know, a business that is more interconnected than restaurants. I mean, it, ultimately, the restaurant business is about bringing a thousand details together in just the right way across thousands of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, the job of, of marketing or branding, you know, as I view it, is to really own uh, the guest experience across each and every touch point, you know, whether it be outside the restaurant in terms of how you're trying to drive them in, as well as, um, 
you know, inside the restaurant, how we equip employees to give every uh, guest a great experience and, and what the guest experience is there. So it's just a, it's a lot bigger world. It's a more complex world, but it's one that is so fun to work on. Yeah. There's so many uh, challenges and opportunities. And, um, you know, we really focus innovation across every guest touch point. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's one of those, the, the elements of that innovation that can happen upstream if the dots are connected downstream, because obviously we sit, you know, when it comes to innovation, a lot of things that are planned well in advance, that consumer experience is being managed by our 3,500 stores yeah. and the employees that are there that are, you know, average age, fairly young. So making sure that it's easy for them to, to actually execute is huge. And if those fall down so we can promote something great, so if I get my two for six euros, but by the time it gets to the store and the experience inside, if it fails, that's not, that's not a, a great experience. So we're trying to make sure, to, to Jim's point, that that dot is connected across the board. And even though I may be looking after media for all of us, I'm very understanding of what that, what that experience is like and those supply chain implications because they all have to work well together. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, you know, with Arby's, when you look at, you know, the turnaround that you guys have had for that business, it's been pretty remarkable. So you recently bought Buffalo Wild Wings, you just bought yeah. Sonic. You know, when you go in and look at those businesses, how can heritage really be the foundation for a future? Yeah, I think that any, any good brand refresh starts with really understanding the DNA of the brand and what made it special from the start and defining those characteristics and then figuring out, well, how, you know, how, is, how has the world changed around the brand? The consumers have changed, the competition have changed and where are things going? And you know, updating it to be more relevant, but, but making sure it's always grounded in the DNA. And I think, you know, the RV story is really interesting because it was started, I think it was kind of the original uh, fast casual restaurant in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, in a world of 10 cent burgers, the Raffle Brothers introduced this premium uh, roast beef sandwich is sliced straight off, um, you know, the roast in front of you for four times the price. Mm -hmm. So ultimately what they were kind of serving was, you know, a a fast crafted premium sandwich experience. So we went back to that DNA when we repositioned Arby's and said, well, gosh, instead of just being about roast beef, we can be about a wide variety of meats. And we can stand for being the meats place for meat lovers who, you know, who, who eat a variety of meats each and, uh, each and every week. And so, you know, I think that's an example of the type of thing that we really believe in and making sure that you are authentic to what the DNA of the brand is while making sure you evolve it to changing consumer tastes and competition. Yeah, there's this whole notion of there's fruit in the root. And when you look at the brands that we have in our, in, in the, the, the family that is Inspire, you look at the core and there is some really strong core values and mm -hmm. core experience What you know, Buffalo Wild Wings being started on the, just off the campus of Ohio State and being rooted in what is sports and being the original sports bar the the great american sports bar and keeping that forward and and as we look at the brands there will never be another 1250 location sports bar nationally it's just not it's not feasible it's not it's not a, it's not a thing sonic is a similar one 3500 drive-ins around the u.s probably not going to happen ever again Arby's is in a similar boat. So, yeah. you know, I think that, that that heritage is a is actually a fairly significant part of what we do to evaluate who comes in next as far as what the the, the, the team is looking at to bring as, a, as another brand into the mix. And, 
you know, uh, that's why the there is a good, it's just the bones of these brands are so solid. And it's a matter of what we're doing to help amplify that. And Arby's is the best example of that. And, and then taking that similar knowledge for Buffalo and then on the way down to, uh, you know, Sonic, which is brand new into the mix. And we'll see what happens there. So the three of us came from the world of classic CPG companies, Brown Foreman, P&G. Those businesses are struggling a little bit today. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got all these emerging brands that are coming out and their retail channels shaking up. There's just a lot of change taking place. You know, if you are walking back into those hallways and getting involved with Mm -hmm. those brands, what should they be doing? How can they inspire innovation and change and embrace what's going on? You know, one one thought that comes to mind is just evaluating what business they're really in or want to be in, you know, because I think if they keep themselves in a a product in a box business and they don't think about what are the problems and friction points in guest lives that have to do with their beauty routines or, you know, their over-the-counter health regimens and thinking bigger picture about, you know, how can they add value beyond the product itself, I think that, you know, there's probably a lot of opportunity that they walk past, you know, and they, you know, I mean, retailers have gotten stronger and stronger. It's been really interesting to see them evolve from, you know, uh, house brands being, you know, a a cheaper knockoff of branded products and, and frankly having, you know, products that are every bit as good or better and sometimes than um, the big CPG companies. So I, I think that would be one of the things that I would go back and do if I came in and really ask ourselves that question of what business are we really in and what what higher order needs are we really trying to solve other than sell someone you know a new product and what business opportunities would that open up I think that the biggest thing is to get out of their own way I mean when you look at the total market effect of a lot of things that are happening in the and where we're at right now if I'm a if I'm a retailer of spirits and the implications of things like you know, autonomous vehicles and all that. There's a lot of that that's further down the road, but there are so many things before that that have to get sorted before that actually can become even viable. And right now, I, I just, there's a, a bit of an ostrich effect where they're digging their heads in the sand at too much of a scale and they're fat and happy on where they're at and they're like, nobody can touch us. And I, I just, that hunger for continuing to push where you're at, where you're going, and how we get there, I just, I, I think that they're moving way too slow. And, and it's, it's what happens. You know, you get to a corporate level and you get to 10,000 employees or 5,000 employees and you get bureaucracy and process. But the faster that you can get out of the way of that and build those methods to streamline it, it it's a critical state right now because competitors are popping up all over the place. And that reaction is is difficult versus how you can build as a proactive nature going forward and that's i think for us where we're trying to be as proactive as we can for the cpg world where you have these consumer direct products that are just coming out of nowhere fostering that internally is a huge because the the resources that you have if i was starting a new spirit line inside of a brown foreman or a beam Suntory or campari or whomever i would be encouraging that as much as possible when it comes to what is new and next and being able to help get to a what is a business model versus a hobby and being able to understand how we graduate from hobby to business model as quick as we possibly can. So both of you, one of the things that's always inspired me is you're students of our industry, constantly learning that childlike sense of curiosity. When you look around at brands and companies today, 
Who's inspiring you to go to new heights and pushing you to be better as marketers? You know, I mean, I will give, uh, I've talked about experience innovation. I will give credit, you know, where credit's due to one of our fellow Atlanta quick serve companies, and that's Chick-fil-A. You know, I mean, they're talking here at Brandemonium too about their guest experience model. And I think it's a very robust one, you know, and they have made a lot of investments that have been long-term investments, frankly, that um, have paid out and allowed them to differentiate themselves in the space to be beyond just the food, you know, but have been a place that has, um, you know, an experience that uh, is, if you take a look at any of the key metrics of virtually any data source is, uh, you know, a step above most QSRs. So I think that, you know, I see them continue to innovate on the uh, on that experience and they're, you know, a source of uh, both, you know, kind of learning inspiration and, and frankly, a source of the uh, competitive pride that I want to, I want to out experience innovate them as well. Yeah. But, uh, that would be my example. The, the Stance Socks brand, I think, has been a really interesting one to watch the last few years where they've really done an interesting thing with the mashups that they've done with different brands or experiences or events. And then what they continue to do on their own as they, as you, as you see in real time, their expansion, as they expand their product line, what that looks like for their business model and how it's changing. And I just, I, I have a lot of respect for the brand. I've, I've followed them from the beginning just because of, of what, what niche that they got into and how they were able to take advantage of it. But they're just, the creative aspects of it are great. And you know, in addition to that, I, I just I love the role of these challenger brands that are coming to market and just whether it's an Allbirds or if it's, uh, you know, any of the mattress companies and what they're doing. I just I love to see folks getting disrupted and I love competition. And if I was in those competitive spaces, it would be like, gosh, you know, it's like what it's 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 as much wanting to beat them as it is the respect of what they're doing and how we can bring that into our own. And that's similar to what uh, Jim was talking about with Chick-fil-A where there's, you know, it's, it's amazing respect for what they're doing. And it's, it's, it's an eye on that because we want to be recognized as to what they're doing and, and how that works out, but also understanding what fits for us and what we can take from not only that space, but other categories as well. So if you'd asked us five years ago, what categories would you be talking about? Mattresses and socks? I don't think those would be the top of the list. No, so, no. What space are you hoping somebody comes up with just something, one of those challenger brands next? I think that the world of automotive is about to have its yeah. absolute clock, just, just its world rocked. I mean, the little things that are happening in ground swells to where, you know, down in Atlanta, I can go over to, to the mall and I can buy a Tesla and I can look at it and do all of that. That's one thing. But when you look at the role of tier one, tier two and tier three, it's just not a sustainable model. I think service is really going to be the factor that's really going to explode, but the buying and selling of automobiles is going to just, the next few years are going to be a very interesting time for that category because the manufacturers are starting to look at this and go, hmm, these guys can do this and all they need is a footprint. I was in, um, I was overseas this weekend and you could be walking down the street and there's a Renault dealership that's literally stuck between the Nike store and the IZOD store. So that whole category i think has just and there's just so much so much bloat in it that i think that it's just it's about time that something's going to happen and there's too much money in it <laughs> yeah so are we going to be uh driving 3d printed cars here at some point 100 percent, baby so final question for you guys because i know you have to get up and take stage soon what's the future of marketing look like to you and where are you most excited in terms of emerging markets, channels, tools, whatever have you. 
Yeah, I think the, f the future of marketing to me is just about innovation that creates simultaneous value across every stakeholder group. You know, it's not just enough to position the brand and deliver great advertising. It really is about how you add holistic value to your employees and your guest lives across every touch point. And it's going to be more complex. And, you know, leaders in marketing are going to have to be, you know, up to the challenge of learning new fields, you know, and how marketing interacts with them and being able to present persuasive arguments like you alluded to, Jason, for business model innovation in addition to other types of innovation. And I think in the end, it's, um, you know, it's going to be a business of finding new solutions to old problems and friction points that really creatively overcome trade-offs. To me, that's really what innovation is about. It's about not accepting trade-offs between the guest, your bottom line, franchisees, operators, etc. And how do you work to get a solution that leverages technology or some other tool to solve it to create that value? So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it, but you know what? It's going to be uh, even more challenging. It's a more challenging job than it was 10 years ago. I tell you, the, the, to me, the future of marketing is, is such an emphasis on growth and having a growth mindset that is, is recognizing the challenges that we have and how we bring our communications to life. But it's, it's that continuous focus on how can we grow. And it may be market share, it might be sales, it might be transactions, it might, but it's having that growth mindset and feeding that in. And that's where, you know, as I see this, you know, one, we have a great example that we work with every day and Rob Lynch, who as our chief marketing officer, you know, led this incredible growth. And now as president, having that as a background of understanding the consumer dynamic, the consumer marketplace, how all these feed in, has been a huge step towards then what that looks like for how we look at, at supply chain and all the other factors that go into that. So I think that the marketing world is going to expand when it comes to growth to understanding those other areas that are touch points that lead into that, because having that view and being able to recognize total market opportunities to, to affect change and drive forward is gonna be huge. And I'm a adjunct professor. And so I, I teach a class called Digital Disruption in Modern Media. and I look at the students in there and these are MBA candidates. So they, you know, they know kind of what's going on, but as much as I, as we see change on a daily basis, looking forward, the, the biggest opportunity for that I can see is in that system to get them educated because the universities and higher education are not built to adapt to this. Having worked on curriculum for programs and taking 18 months to get through this, this council for this council and this group and then as soon as it gets approved you have to change everything because it's like what you're learning as a freshman by the time your junior is gone and obsolete and then these governing bodies that say this is what the curriculum should be and if you're going to get your certifications you have to be this it's a system that like we're not setting our own people up for success and we see it because we're trying to basically train folks on the fly but that core foundation of what marketing and and and, and especially leading towards growth looks like it's, it's a system that needs a lot of help. Yeah. One other thing to add to that, I think that we have to get better at marketer, uh, as marketers in the future. There's been so much emphasis put on big data. Mm -hmm. And I still think in the end, big heart beats out big data. And, and, and marketers need to, to figure out how to really bring to life compelling emotional benefits 
when guests interact with their brand. And I think that's been a little bit of something that's, that's been a little bit of a lost art. So many times we start with the how, so much discussion about the how, and we don't go back up to the why mm-hmm. and the who and the what often enough and, and really think about the story arc that we're creating with the brand and what can really engage and inspire peace, people uh, emotionally to become uh, attached and loyal to our brands. Wonderful. Well, gentlemen, the greatest gift is that of time. And I thank you for taking the time to join me today. You lived up to the corporate name of Inspire. So thank you. Uh, awesome. And uh, thank you once again. It's oh, going to be a great so conference. Much, I appreciate it. Wonderful to be Anything here. Anything for you, man. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.